0: So Paul, I uh, know you obviously from the Coach.me network and how I came across your particular style of coaching was I saw one Twitter post and you were looking for lab rats that you wanted to test out your (laughs) theory about ownership coaching and that was a really uh, unique kind of coaching and term that I discovered obviously and I thought let me give it a test and that when I signed up for your, I guess it was like one or two months, maybe?
1: Yeah, six weeks, yeah.
0: Six six weeks, yeah, six weeks. And it was an amazing experience. So uh, when did you first came across this thought that you know you can be an ownership coach? Yeah,
1: basically it was, I, I did the same uh, certification you did. So I watched one cohort later. And uh, first yeah. the funding okay. is, they they ask you to set a topic which was close to you personally to start coaching with. So don't pick something you need to learn yourself, something you're um, you're able to do. And first, I started with with reading because I love books. I read a lot of books. I was like, okay, this is something I can learn. This is an easy quantifiable habit uh, which I can make smaller and and you know grow yeah, bigger. Yeah. But uh, going on in the program, I was like, okay, this doesn't feel right. I couldn't fit all the parts into it. And then I was like, okay, so what's the other thing which is really big for me? And, and one thing I do a lot and I'm working on a lot for myself. So I'm not really like uh, an authority yet. But it was like, okay, ownership, this is, this is it for me. And because ownership was like, I think one of the biggest changes in my life uh, was ownership. Uh, it started basically professionally. But uh, from a leadership perspective, and then it went into personal, and now it's something I still work on every day, because it's like unlimited. <laughs> but it's really, yeah. Um, for me, it's a fundamental uh, uh, habit. It's 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 a difficult word for, for being a habit because it's not like push-ups or something really simple. It's a mental habit, and mental habits are are much more difficult to um, to you know get clear to make them smart um because there's a much more going on and it's not like you can say okay i'm one minute before nine i'm going to take ownership no it's it's something throughout the day uh, multiple response so so that's uh, that's how i came across ownership uh, or like say okay there's no one doing this right now of course there, there are people out there who are coaching ownership most of them traditional coaches i've had yeah. one also myself um but i thought okay let's give it a shot and, and turn it into a habit and also you know, make it uh, available on an easier, you know, more accessible way than uh, traditional coaching. Because if you have to talk for someone like one and a half hour uh, every week, it's not like easy to start with. You have to get over a huge uh, mountain to, to start there actually, so.
0: Totally makes sense. And I believe ownership is kind of a philosophy. That's probably why it's a little hard to convert it into something like of a habit. Yeah. Mindset or philosophy, something like that. Uh, so uh, you talked about it it really it's a really personal thing for you. Yeah. Can you talk about that? Like when did you for the very first time consciously took ownership?
1: Been, I think it's been a long time ago, actually, for the first time. I think a couple of years back because Um, ownership was also for me like the the word I was looking for Um, so uh, I think like five or six no longer, ten years ago I went to my first uh, seminar from a management guru from the Netherlands uh, Ben Tichelaar and um, he's international, a little bit now but in in Dutch he's really known for his book uh, Dream Dare Do uh, which was actually my first way into okay this is something, there's some personal development that you can change as a human and, uh, and later on, I, I, I think the first, my first interaction with ownership is in, in the seven habits of COVID, where mm. you have the, the response ability. So there's a gap between the stimuli and the response. Um, but at that moment, I didn't call it ownership. I called it like finding the gap and I was working on it. Okay, how can I learn how to respond? Um, and from that point forward, I uh, met my current uh, employer and he was really working into discipline and you know workouts and uh, and you know mm. being a strong human and he actually came across the book from Jocko willing extreme ownership and that's when i when it clicked for me like okay this is the word i was looking for ownership is like okay this is the mindset and from that point forward i uh, i started to learn a lot more read about it read about different kind of perspectives on uh, on ownership um and I also i think last year i've been coached by an ownership coach um because i wanted to know more about it but also really needed to to took some things to next level for for myself um and um and yeah for for me personally right now it's not like something i do anymore it's like it's my lifestyle uh it's it's what i'm working on every day so it's 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 quite a journey from basically a first introduction into the concept and I think that's the, the, the great thing and the most difficult thing about armorship is that um, it's this concept is not that difficult, it's basically like like <laughs> agile, if you're in software. Uh, agile, yeah. it's quite simple, but it's really hard to, to master and to fully understand and to uh, go in depth with it and uh, uh, keep paying attention to it. So that's- uh, So
0: just five minutes into this conversation, I'm really sold to, <laughs> this concept of ownership because so uh, I haven't thought about this before this conversation but I realized uh stoicism has a lot to do with ownership Have, do, do you know the uh, philosophy of stoicism
2: yeah
0: yeah yeah right and the way you were talking about you know like your ownership part i could uh, rewind my life like a few years ago and I realized how... Stoicism has been an important part of me and how I was realizing that yes, ownership was a part of me, but I never used that term. And so, you know, like figuring out what term did I use? I used Stoicism and just kind of wanting me to, you know, like be a Stoicism coach and maybe try, how can I make it into habit? That could be a cool
2: concept.
1: Yeah, I think the, the, the stoicism part is, uh, has a lot of, of relatable fields. It's, I think stoicism is much broader than just, you know. Ownership. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, uh, what I, I don't know a lot about stoicism. I know, I, of course, I know uh, Ryan Holiday, and uh, I've, I'm currently yeah. reading uh, um, The Ego is the Enemy. So I've, I haven't finished the book yet, but it's, it's like on my list forever, and I wasn't ever at the time mm-hmm. I started, but I need to read it, but, but I think the concept of like your ego, um combined with the the principle of victimization is yeah. i think that's that's yeah. where where the what the magic is and, and uh, for um uh i think for a lot of change in in your life ownership or or some kind of uh, concept around it is, is is super essential because if you yeah. don't take action yourself and you wait for other people to uh, change then you or you have luck or you can wait for a long time and it's never gonna happen so um yeah
0: first of all ego is the enemy one of my favorite books I, that just kind of reminds me it's been a while since i reread it so i've read it like two three times and wow. i should give it a read again it's, it's a really amazing book but it it's actually so the term ego is not used in psychological terms but in philosophical terms yeah. and you know by that what i discovered from that book was uh how not to let the results get into my head and how to spend more time working instead of talking about what I'm working, which is like really yeah.
1: crucial. I, I think that's great. That's that's a great. Yeah. And, and also because we, we humans tend to tend to easily um, you know, one's rewards for what we've done. So we're looking for confirmation, and that's basically our ego talking all the way. Uh, because we don't, actually don't need uh, confirmation to live. We can still breathe. But it's, uh, I think, because it's that, that deep in our core being, as from the the aspect of survival, that um, taming the yeah. ego is, is really difficult. It's 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 a bitch, you know, <laughs> to to really get control of it and. Uh, we have to stay aware for that because it's easily slipping away because ego is such a powerful thing inside us uh, yeah. and it's also i think it's for everyone it helped us in the past to to get started past some things or you have enough confidence to do the things you needed to do so um yeah but i think it's a great a great summary of of ego is the enemy it's like you know um, um when you and when i was reading it i, I think i'm at 60 percent or something when but really confronting for me because a lot of times I'm, especially in professional career, I see yep. that the ego ego is in the way. Just, yes. you know, it's 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 is blocking me from growing or from progress or, um, uh, and we don't want that, but we also don't yeah not want it. You know, it's it's a conflict. Totally.
0: So I'll circle back a little bit around you know the stoicism and ownership part. So one really big principle of Stoicism is that Greek prayer. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's 2FM something something in Greek and mm-hmm. which basically means what's in our control and what's not in our control. So, you know, that's like a really big part of Stoicism uh, differentiating what we control and what we don't control. And I believe ownership is about that only that you know what there are things that I control and I need to control them.
1: Uh, um, yeah, basically because the the control part is also the, the circle of influence, the circle of concern from COVID. Yeah. So a lot of people have the same concept or talked about the same concept. And yeah um ownership focuses really on the inner circle. So it's it's not about circle mm-hmm. of concern of what you can't control, uh, but it's always looking what can I do? That's basically the, the sentence I use the most in, in my days, is okay, this is happening, this is a situation, but what's still left? What can I do? And and sometimes the answer is. I'm not able to do anything. And accepting is also always something you can do. Um, And I think that's also a really common misconception around ownership is that we always have to take action uh, while sometimes inaction or accepting that this is not your responsibility and it's somebody else's responsibility, especially employers or bosses or managers, Um, can be taking ownership without taking action. But uh, yeah, I I think the, the principle is and of course, this is also like in the, the 12 steps prayer uh, from uh, uh, yeah. apart. It's, yeah. it's the same principle. OK, let's 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 find out, because when you um, you were focused on your circle of, of concern outside of your control, it's only you know, it's only going to hurt you. Um, so I think it, yeah, it re- it's really interesting to see it in this light, because I've never considered stoicism to be so closely related to the, the, the principles of ownership. Uh, I
0: didn't I just you know like because you were just listening to you talk about ownership I could relate it to uh, the stoicism part and that, that there's this serenity prayer if I'm not wrong yeah what's that do you know that prayer
1: it's like uh, grant me the power to uh, accept the things I can change change the things I can and wisdom to see the difference I think it's something like that yeah <laughs> uh, directly
0: Yes. I, I guess almost like that only. Yeah, so that's actually really close to stoicism. And I
1: what I believe is, you know,
0: like these things overlap a lot. These ownership yeah. and stoicism and this uh, serenity prayer particularly. And uh, as we are on the subject of stoicism, because I've been uh, reading textbooks of Buddhism for the past few months, like uh, proper textbooks, uh, stoicism is overlaps a lot with Buddhism. Yeah, well, like that's a, a lot. lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, crazy thing. Okay, so I'm interested in knowing. Um, so you mentioned your timeline, how ownership came in your life, right? At what stages and like that. What were certain incidents where you started taking ownership?
1: It's a very good question. Um, I think the first time I, I practiced, I actually applied it. Was it my work? uh where i manage other people and i think the best the best way to start it is when somebody in your team makes a mistake or somebody in your environment makes a mistake uh, because it happened but uh, that person the first response would be like saying okay the person is responsible for the mistake and um, uh, we should punish him or like finger point or some some way so that's our most I natural think- response to a lot of things you see in the workplace you know when when somebody in a team make a mistake, um, uh, push a wrong button, it's really easy to to make some mistakes sometimes, uh, um, which has impact. And the first time, I, what I did was saying, okay, you did that, but it's not your mistake. It's my mistake that I haven't helped you enough to be sure that you didn't, you couldn't do that. It's basically the the the, fight, the flight plane principle, where the pilot can crash a plane, but the pilot isn't responsible. We should be taking measures that a pilot is a not able to crash a plane and um i think that was the first uh, one time when i when i truly applied ownership uh, in my team and that's also when i noticed the first impact we have because um people respond differently to managers to leaders to
2: even Mm. colleagues
1: who take take the lead when they take ownership because they're it's like um they're going to take ownership too because when but the opposite is when i blame somebody or a mistake mm-hmm. they're going to get defensive and they're going their defense mechanism and they're going to blame you too and before you know it you're blaming each other and you're not going anywhere but when you take ownership the natural response is no it's not I did. I made a mistake and that's owning up too but from that point you both have cleared the battlefield or the, the space and you can work towards solutions okay what can we do together to, to fix it or to prevent it in the, in the future um, uh, this and- sounds uh that
0: sounds to me like a really golden advice for relationships.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but it, in relationship, it's I think it's even more difficult. You know, if you have levels of, and that's one thing I discovered during the, the coach of me a certification. It's that, okay, how, how can you start small with with a habit for a mental mental habits like taking ownership? uh and one suggestion from from somebody else was okay start with a certain area in your life so you can take ownership at work or at your if you want to be healthier at your health or at sleep or or some other part and i think when you um i think you can start with every part you want to take ownership where it's most essential for you right now uh but i would wait with relationship before you have (laughs) some kind of experience with it because um, relationships are, are really difficult uh, because you can, you can take ownership but also um, And you're married, right? I, I'm married, yes, I'm, I'm married <laughs> for, for over five years now and um, I, I sometimes <laughs> I don't take ownership in my relationship, I, I notice that and um, uh, sometimes because um, when, you, when you take ownership fully undertake ownership in your relationship it's also easy for the other person to lay back and let it happen so it's always important to because relationships are mutual and they have to be balanced and so in order to take ownership in your relation you can start with taking ownership of course and it can um, lead to the right outcome and to to somebody your partner also and in any relationship with your family with your parents with with your colleagues any relationship i think has the same principles is that there have to be balance in the relationship in order to uh, make it flourish, and uh, but but it's also essential that the other person steps up or need at least you know goes yeah. with, with the flow a little bit because else you're just like taking ownership a lot and it's it's only uh, making the balance go more and more off. Um, so that's but it's an interesting part. Yeah, I, I
0: remember one uh, Instagram quote, and it's a really beautiful quote that if there's a difference between. If there's a distance of 10 steps between you and someone always take nine
1: steps. Yeah. Yeah. It th- a great one. It's a great one. Always keep, you know, always <laughs> keep balance. Yeah. I love that one. I, I haven't heard it before. So I got to, to remind it.
0: <laughs> it's a little unpopular one, but uh, yeah, it's an amazing. Uh, can, can you specify a little bit uh, how would taking ownership and relationship might look like?
1: the first step is most of the time when you um uh, we no know when things are really really bad and not working um it's uh there's also a great story from from i think a pastor was it where i re- read it the first time where he uh, had constantly fighting with his uh, with his spouse and he started to ask the question every day what can i do today for you to help you or to make you happy mm-hmm. And whatever his spouse said, like clean the garage or do this or do that, he start doing it. And after a while, um, uh, the story goes, of course, I wasn't there. But after a while, um, the, the spouse, he, he kept doing it, even though he doesn't like it, he worked, he cleaned the garage, he, he mowed down everything, he went to stores. And uh, and after a while, his, his uh, spouse came to the realization that the problem in their relationship wasn't only your spouse wasn't only the, the, the guy in this story but it was a two-way street and uh because he stepped up and did everything uh, you know really um uh yeah uh, took ownership of his part of the relationship in terms of if making the other people ha- person happy uh, it clicked you know and it was like okay this is the inside and i think that's that's one way to to do it but also, be be aware of, of the the fact that if the other person doesn't step up, it's yeah you know, you're really in a toxic could be in a toxic relationship, and you're wearing yourself out. And uh, I still believe there's there's only one person on this planet that you have to make happy, and that's yourself. And if you <laughs> are happy yourself, you're yeah. able to help other people uh, and and help them. And uh, uh, there's there's a there's a great movie about also like if you wanna. Uh, um, if you want to able be able to help somebody else, you have to help yourself first. And I think that's that also in your relationship applies. So, in order if you take ownership of your life in a, in a broader sense, it will reflect somehow on your relationships because you're going to respond differently to situations. You're going to respond differently on somebody lashing out on you because you are like, okay, somebody's lashing out at me. My first thought, my first thought is, okay, someone's angry at me. And I, that doesn't make me feel, uh, or maybe make me feel angry or make me feel um, uh, depressed. Uh, but how am I going to respond? And, uh, and that's where you can make a decision. And that's basically the, the essence of the essential of ownership. When you decide to respond from an unconscious anger and you're flashing back, you're lost. It's like an endless uh, point. But when you start, like, yeah, go on.
0: So, uh, what I'm understanding in my language, I just wanted to check once mm-hmm. with you. Uh, how I'm able to understand it and please correct me if I'm understanding it in a wrong way Uh taking ownership and any relationship would mean uh you know in my understanding it is like two-step process like step one is what can I do about it and step two is letting go
1: yeah basically taking ownership of acceptance like yeah. okay this and, and that's that's another interesting part. We we all have some. I think this is for everybody the case. Uh, in any relationship, we have aspects of the relationship or behavior of the other person which we don't like. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> I think it's recognizable for most of that because even if you love somebody truly, uh, um, or if you have a great relationship with your parents, they do things differently and they do things you don't like or, or that. And uh, once you, of course, you can try to change it that's the first thing, you, what, what can I do to change their behavior or yeah. can help them to change their behavior? But the other part is like, okay, I can accept it and I can um, uh, let them be who they are and and uh, change my expectations on um, their behavior. So if I expect them to do what I want, um, it's it's easy to get frustrated. But if I expect them to do what they want, it's less yeah. okay this yeah. is what they do it's it's not frustrating me anymore and i think that's that's another great uh, way of taking ownership in relationship is let the other partner be uh who he or she or whatever is and um uh and take care of yourself and and make yourself yeah
0: so uh, i actually have a personal story it okay if i share about this <laughs> mm-hmm. so uh how i kind of figured out this two step process is so i really like this one girl one and a half or two years, three years ago. My goodness. Okay, so <laughs> go, go we are all surrounding yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 2020. So <laughs> I really like this girl. Uh, we were flirting here and there on text and stuff. And so the first thing I did was taking ownership. Like, what can I do? I could ask her out. So I asked her out and we went on a date and the date was good. Uh, after the date, I just kind of had a, intuition or some vibes that you know maybe she's holding herself back or something is happening and stuff like that and I knew that she was coming from a place where she uh, had a breakup with a long term boyfriend so I asked her like uh, is that chapter of your book closed or do you still want to go back to that and uh, she, so I just uh, you know like the upfront answer that I don't want to water any dead plants and she said that, uh, yeah, I might not be, you know, like over that chapter yet. So, yeah, I let it go.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Obviously, we were friends and all that stuff. But uh, that was really smooth for me. Smooth as in, uh, I kind of accepted that, okay, I don't want messy things. I do not want drama
1: right now. I- it's, it's interesting because it, of course every situation you can respond in different ways and it will have a different outcome and and the funny thing is we don't have a, a, a light a glass bulb where we can see the future um <laughs> but but i think what is what is interesting is that you took ownership up front of your own feelings uh or basically pr- protecting yourself um yeah and and making sure, with, so I don't know all the details, of course, about the situation, but but um, uh, I think it's an interesting principle that you re- are really upfront about uh, things that are important for you uh, before you know spending a lot of time in a, in a relationship. Uh, so sure. the other yeah, but on no. the other hand, I'm really really curious. But have you ever thought about what would happen if you uh, you know just said okay? Yeah, not, I, I don't ask. i ask the question like. Um, one one option is, okay, is this someone uh, watering a dead plant, what you said? On the other, what you can do is, okay, what can I do to make this plant bloom?
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's,
1: that's the opposite. There's always two ways. Yeah.
0: So obviously, because I have had a, like a diploma in, uh, you know, complicated relationship. So I chose not is, to go is there. A,
1: <laughs> is there a school for that? <laughs> yeah, I'm
0: the director there.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: So, uh, the plus and minus about all of this now, because, you know, like I talk a lot about relationships and stuff, because, you know, uh, this is kind of a cute way of me getting some guidance and mentorship in relationships. So, (laughs) the plus and minus things about uh, being clear what you want at this age, like, you know, when you're 24, 25, is that, uh, number one, you know, both pros and cons. Uh, you will not have a lot of drama and you can actually focus on what you want to focus. It's a really good thing. Mm -hmm. The bad thing about it is uh, in any party, you won't have any more refreshed stories about how somebody is pissing you off (laughs) or, you know, any (laughs) gossip about that. (laughs) So in this millennial generation, that could be a negative point. (laughs)
1: Uh, But also really interesting. because you talked about, you're reading a lot about Buddhism and I have, well, i don't hear a lot but i read some uh, parts about buddhism about meditation and stuff and one story really like, uh, 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 you know got me in, in the past it was like a, a story about um uh, i think from Ajahn brahm he was like when he was in his tent and there were like mosquitoes and every time he complained about a mosquito his uh, his, uh, his teacher said it's a teacher and he didn't understand and and after a while the, <laughs> the teacher explained like okay the mosquito are trying to teach you patience and, and also, I think, so he said, I don't, I don't want drama in a relationship. Of course, I think nobody wants drama, but I think complex or difficulties in relationship is also the part where we grow as humans, because we can, I think there I wouldn't be the person I was today if I haven't met the people and haven't met the difficulties and also had, you know, uh, to overcome problems and to uh, find a way out of situations I have I've never been in before when I was alone. So important to, and I think to challenge yourself, it's also important to sometimes do things which are difficult, also emotionally yeah. difficult because if, if you're also you're not growing and that's it, it, um, you can protect yourself from a lot, but these walls are also uh, locking you in.
0: So I invited Chris Jennings, he's one of the coach on coach.me like a few weeks ago on this kind of a conversation and mm-hmm. his expertise is in Uh, relationship with technologies and I said if you are good in relationship with technology you must be good in relationship with humans so it (laughs) is a lot about relationships and I kind of while talking to him you know like made a plan or a commitment that uh, this is my plan for the next six months Uh, you know like I'll have filters that this is the kind of person I want and if I don't get it in six months I'll just take the first one that's coming in (laughs) but (laughs) till then I'd rather stick to, you know, like what I'm planning about. Like, I do not want someone who is super complicated, like at this point at least. Or I don't want somebody who's looking for a rebound. So I've done that part in the past. I've been the, uh, you know, the friend zone guy. I've been the rebound guy and I don't like being those people. So I was like, yeah, maybe it could be a block. But let me try out for six months. Let me see what happens. If nothing happens, like I have so many years to explore this
1: thing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I think you have your entire life. And the interesting part is it's sometimes you can, uh, when I was younger, really a lot younger, because I I know my partner for over 10 years now. So we were together a long time. But before that, I was really searching. And I know that when I stopped searching, it, it came across my path and of course everybody has yeah. their different belief on you know god or, or things that or the universe or something else but i believe also that if you're if you're looking really hard for the right person uh what you think that you want it could sometimes be something you actually don't need and uh, maybe and, and sometimes i believe that okay sometimes i'm thinking okay was this really what i wanted or what, I, what do i want but sometimes it's like okay this is what i what i need as a human and to Someone to to you know to keep me in line or to keep me on my toes and keep me sharp and that's um, uh, there are a lot of uh, things a partner can do for you uh, other than than just being in a relationship you know so it's but I'm I'm really curious about where where this is going for you because I love this kind yeah. of exper- experimenting with with relationship and finding the perfect uh, partner. Um, so, so
0: what what I see what I've done wrong in the past is. Was not being curious or was not being patient and being too desperate to be in a relationship. So I was like always either flirting with one person or being in relation with one person. And I was never not in a relationship. So this time I'm like, you know what? Let me just take a chill pill and let me take a step back and just enjoy what the whole market is doing. <laughs> let me see what happens. Let me, you know, like. Actually, make it a little scientific thing. But then again, because logic helps us make sense of the world, helps me make sense of the world. So let me use mm-hmm. logic a little bit and see. You know, like these are the uh, experiment uh, conditions, and let me see if I can get the desired results If I don't, I'll, I'll throw and I'll do some other experiment. It's
1: really interesting. Also, also because. What did, what did you learn by being not in a relationship after being in relationship after relationship for a while? So
0: my last relationship was in 2019 September when it, uh, you know, like when I had a breakup and then I decided I'll be practicing celibacy. Like I'll stop even flirting with anyone. And it took a couple of uh, months or weeks because I'm naturally a, you know, a playful kind of person. I. I, there's a little bit of flirt and playfulness in my tone as well, so it was a little hard for me to practice. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, for like one and a half years, like up until last two months, I was totally off the market. I decided that even the perfect person come up to me and begged me that come in relation, I'll still say no, <laughs> no matter how perfect they are. <laughs> because uh, so the the thing was that I needed some time off. I needed to actually look and. Side of myself, uh, you know, like what kind of person I am, what do I need, what do I want, and all that stuff. And yeah, yeah. so that was the first thing. Uh, I realized that the girls were changing, but the patterns were the same. That was not a good thing, and the results were same eventually. Like some sometimes it will be one month, three months, one week, I don't know. And I was always not happy in that. I, I was, I don't know, I was overcompensating, probably.
1: Yeah, a
0: lot. Be, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot. So, uh, yeah, that happened. And uh, I'm really glad it happened. It gave me so much space. And that was like a superpower for me. Like, you know what, I can not flirt with you. I can choose not to flirt with you. That was such a superpower for me. <laughs>
1: that's interesting because when you're going to extract you know set the guidelines really clear it's, it helps you to actually develop new skills to uh, to look at it from another perspective and also what really really interested me because when i look at your timeline it's like basically you broke up a couple of months before covid entered uh, the planet uh, <laughs> and, and so it was may 2020 when it all started especially here in Holland. but yeah how has it been like being in a pandemic i don't know if it's really but if it's in, in where, where, you, where you live, it's really, you know, when you notice that there's a lot of more loneliness, but how was is, how is it to be in a pandemic without someone, you know, especially when you've been before?
0: So a really good thing about not flirting with anyone was, so I'm a guy and the superpower I had was I can talk to a girl and not think of having sex with you. while I'm in my 20s (laughs) which is a huge thing (laughs) I think yeah yeah (laughs) so uh, making conversations or friendships have always been easier for me to be honest and I started my life coaching business in this pandemic so I always had like a lot to do and not enough time to be honest to be you know like feel lonely or even when I I don't remember feeling lonely, to be honest. I just like had friends around me. Not physically, obviously, I really miss that part. So uh, one of, a part of me, so when I took the personality test, it came out to be like 55% introvert, but 45% extrovert. So I really love alone time, but at the same time, I really enjoy meeting new people or meeting friends over dinner or something like that. And that kind of turned off since the pandemic started. So that was a big challenge for me yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah I didn't feel that loneliness because I just decided that you know what I'll do something with myself and we'll see it later kind of that
1: yeah. I, I think it's a great approach but it's it's, uh, it's really interesting that you haven't like because there are a lot of people who are even in relationship but are old and, and need their children less something who are feeling lonely or, or less with people around them and who really need it so so, so for me, it's like, okay, you picked you pick a <laughs> great timing to to be single. Because, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, so actually, I have a really good answer to that question. So There was a lot of garbage in here <laughs> that I've kept touring over and over, over the years. Like a mm. lot of trauma over my previous relationships and being dishonest with myself or with others. So I needed to let go of that. And yeah, I, I definitely would want to acknowledge it was a good
2: timing
1: lovely to hear i think it's good to hear because it, it's um, basically you took ownership not not of your relationship or your friend, but you took ownership of uh your 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 patterns and your own behavior and like uh, because we we are a lot of, of how we behave isn't who we truly are we behave the way we've learned to behave and and some really also some like good intentions from from parents can lead to behavior which is not desirable or doesn't fit you what you like you know so it's uh, it's really interesting to uh, to hear that and uh, and so see how and you, yeah yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah in, in my experience, taking ownership of yourself comes a lot you know in front than taking relation uh, taking ownership in your relationship.
1: Yeah First, take care of yourself before you can take yeah. care of anything else that's that basically um, uh, and, and it, it really starts small you know because if you look at that like look at habits it's the one thing um i feed my cats every morning first thing i get up because they, they wake me up because they're really annoying but um, the first thing i do is drink a glass of water myself and that's not because i i can't give the the cats first their food and then drink glass of water but it's really about the principle reminding yourself every morning first thing of the day first take care of yourself before you can help anybody and if you if, if you one of the things i love to do is helping other people uh in, in around me or, or in the world um but so that's for me it's a really important step every morning first thing is is doing something for yourself and then feed my cats and then do other stuff for other people around me and uh, i think okay. true in relationship and in ownership yes so you take care of yourself first before you can enter another right i think i think a lot more people who who would do that or take your approach would be uh, happier in their relationship because they know themselves better and you're always 50% of a relationship.
0: And uh, this is kind of has been the discovery for me for the last uh, one and a half years that it's better to be peaceful, single than to be messy and with someone. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> i think it takes a lot of nerve you know to to decide that because a lot of people are also you know gain um uh, social uh, respect from being in a relationship and, and how people perceive you and if we're looking at you know uh finding out uh, how other people i didn't,
0: you know, didn't do it because i'm really a cool person or i'm a really great person i did it because i was tired of being in a relationship or like tired of looking at those patterns the last time my breakup happened uh again and such an embarrassing detail but <laughs> the, bro- the breakup <laughs> happened over call I-, I guess at 8 or 8 30 pm and i was on a date with somebody else at 9 pm
1: that's fast that's what i thought
0: that's fast like you know like the ones you need to slow it down <laughs> but, but basically
1: just, you, you should pick another branch of coaching because you're really great at finding people <laughs> or picking them up you know <laughs> <laughs> So uh,
0: this is something that I've actually noticed with people around me. And then again, the people I'm coaching are in their 20s. Uh, I'm not sure if dating apps were available in your time when you were dating, when you were in your- I
1: found found my uh, spouse online, So we were not apps because apps didn't exist in the time, but we had the internet. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah.
0: But now it's like a really, really common thing that you know every almost most of the people are using dating apps and uh it's available like it's the relationships are like easily available and the value of relationships has a little decreased that's what i think i am kind of equally to be blamed i've been in that pattern <laughs> a lot <laughs> like it, it so then again not maybe because of the dating app because Even in those periods when I was dating, I was really okay being single. So, a part of my defense mechanism has been being totally detached. So, if you, you know, like, not you, but if somebody bothers me, if they create a lot of drama and they're like just messing up with my mental piece, I'd rather let them go. Like, direct. So, again, uh, that was also kind of a defense mechanism of, of me not working on the relationship. But I've seen it multiple times with people that uh, millennials, <laughs> relationships are a little easy to get. And yeah. I have believed that easier to come, easier to go.
1: And also one really interesting thing is because officially I'm, I think, on the, on the brink of being a millennial. I'm 99 <laughs> <Yeah. so> Officially <laughs> I'm a millennial too, but I don't feel like a millennial because I, I didn't grow up with it. I'm the youngest of of seven so I didn't grow up a lo- around a lot of millennials my my brothers and sisters are older uh so and I work now with a lot of millennials because a lot of guys in my team are like 24 25 and there some were, are really millennials and some are, are more adulting already uh, but I think that it's easier to get a relationship but it's also easier to uh, you know ghost somebody and I think uh, seems Simon yeah. Simon, a great great conversation about it that uh, ghosting is like not going through the em- emotional phase of you know cancelling ending a relationship uh, which it should be really hard because you have to say to someone you have some kind of feeling for that that um it's not going to work and um of course when you have some relationship with someone you don't like a lot anymore great actually that is easier but i think that that technology has made made relationship uh sometimes really easier or, or easier to get away from but you're not learning from it so, you, you,
0: here's a, here's a crazy stat for you 100% of my breakups happened over the phone. Yeah.
1: In my, in my time, when I was, when I was, when you know, into, into this uh, space, we had SMS, which was 200, one, I think 150 characters, and that was it. <laughs> and um, <laughs> of course, you had phone calls, but were really expensive. So, uh, you have to talk to, to people in, in real life. And um and what I noticed also right now, of course, everybody is working from home, also here in Holland, and um uh, we do a lot of over video call. And it's much easier to, you know, to to create drama over video call than you would do in real <laughs> life. Because in real life, somebody would say, Okay, don't don't do drama. And from body language and you know, environment, some people would be really like holding back way more than they would in a video call. So technique technology is it's great. I, I love what it has done for us humans in connecting, but also I'm really on the side, like, okay, um, how do we make sure it's always on the helping side and not on the bad side of, of us? And yeah, I as
0: I see, as I look at back, you know, like two or three years from now, when hopefully I'm in a relationship or something like that, <laughs> i look back and i could see that that was an incident where i took ownership that you know what why my relationships are not working a major deal i can do about is you know like uh, heal myself uh, I, I
1: think and- i think so absolutely absolutely i, mean, I think it's, it's a great step and i think you're already seeing the impact it has on your life and how you see and how you know yourself and also knowing what you want because if you know yourself, you know what you want. And if you know what you want, you also can kind of distill what you need. And if you don't know what you need, you're never going to get a great relationship. <laughs> so here's a message for you, whoever is watching, listening this. Yeah. Uh,
0: break up wherever you are. <laughs> no, no.
1: That's really dangerous. Really dangerous. Because, you know, it, it's, it's depending. <laughs> because one, one interesting fact is, of course, Also, when you're in a relationship and you are staying in a relationship, you can work on yourself first. Even when... I I was like, kidding.
0: (laughs) But the very first part, as you mentioned, is the very first step is wherever you are, no matter if you're single, if you're in a complicated relationship, if you're a healthy, long distance, whatever it is for you, the very first step will be asking yourself, what can I do to make sure that I'm doing my part the best I can?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, And the funny thing is also because... When you're single, you look at relationship like this is the solution because I'm now single alone and don't like it. especially <laughs> when you really don't like what you do. Some people like to be single and some people who are married are like, okay, it would be so much easier to be single. Or, and I think one really aspect is that to remind forever, is like whatever your, your status is, you always have problems. And when you're alone, you have alone people problems. And when you're married, you have married people problems. And the problems will always stay and always come. Uh, just like thoughts we can not really control them but the the most important and beautiful part is that we are able to decide how we respond to it so so
0: every time when somebody would ask me during pandemic that you know like you're single don't you feel lonely and i would tell them like at least i'm lonely alone at least i'm not with someone and feeling lonely
1: But I yeah. think that also happens, yeah, because if you feel lonely when you're in a relationship, I think this it it is a great uh, signal for, for you to find out why it is and, and what you can do about it. And sometimes the answer is, okay, this is not the right relationship for me, but sometimes it's also is like, okay, I need to learn, or we as a couple need to learn something, and, and the first step is awareness also within a relationship. Um, so, and I, I think what I've what I've learned over the years, I don't have a lot of experience with relationship. I don't have a lot of friends. It's deliberately because I want to focus energy on the friends I have and not on having a bunch of friends, you know? But what, I, what I've seen is that it's much easier now to, um, when you have a difficulty in your relationship, just quit and find a new one because they're easy to get. Uh, but it's not, you know, it's like if you have a toy and it's broken, you, yeah, toy, you get a new I, toy. I,
0: I- I actually walked on that. It doesn't really end up doing well for you.
2: <laughs>
1: you also don't learn how to, you know, to fix exactly and, and to work through. It. And I think that the, the, the best parts of my relationship uh, were actually after the difficult situations because you, you get through it together uh, and, and you grow, uh, not as, as a person, but you also grow together. And, uh, and, I, think that's, and I think that's something um, we need to, you know, articulate more. That, that sometimes you know relationships suck. They're not great, but it's something you're in, and if you're committed on, to on, on the broader term, um, you can overcome it and you can grow better. But it will not never stop. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh, okay, a lot of guys suffer. Uh, suffer as in a lot of guys suck at dating. Dating as in, you know, like just going on the first date or going on a second date, because again, if you're if you're on a first date, going to a second date is in itself a trend and stuff like that. And again, these are not the absolute terms, but you know, the patterns that I've seen in journalized majority and a lot of girls in India at least or in around my circle, around my age, what I've seen mm-hmm. uh, have had issues that their partners are not serious enough. Stuff like that. But anyway, maybe I need to think a little deeper around this. I've never thought about it. But that, that was something coming to my mind. Anyway, uh, thank but, you so much for what this. Was the
1: word you 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 said one word I missed one really essential word in life. They are not their partners aren't serious enough. Serious. Oh, yes. Okay. Sorry. But
0: uh, maybe that's not the case. I need to go back and, you know, like actually think about it a little more. It should not be something that I'm generalizing
1: on the spot. It's really interesting because when, when you look at being serious in, in looking for a life partner and when you're not serious, I think it's, it's kind of a defense mechanism for people that they uh, want to protect themselves. Because what it's like when you go on a date and the first date and you don't want a second date and you like the person, you feel like failure and especially with social environment around you people don't want to look like failures they want to look like the man They're like it's like monkey yeah. on the yeah and when you're not fully committed it's easier to say oh, i wasn't fully committed but it's basically one great story my brother which is now he was the now, but he uh he got engaged on the first of april which is april's day of course my, my,
0: my parents anniversary is on that day not kidding
1: <laughs> oh and, and the funny thing was what he told me is like okay, well, it's really easy. And I think it was a joke because he was really committed at that time. But he was like, okay, when it doesn't work out, they can always say it was a first date project. And, and basically that, that principle applies to a lot of people being not serious within dating because it's, it's like a way out. And it's not, like taking, it's not like they take a risk and they put themselves uh, vulnerable and, and let them go out. But they prevent themselves of so much magic by just being with one step in, one step out. Uh, that yeah, you are know, never going to be happy with that point. <laughs> Look, you know. I
0: I actually think that uh, career and relationship these two are the things where we essentially start taking we as in most of us start taking ownership. Yep. Because up until we are in college or we are not in serious relationship or anything like that, uh, we have our parents or guardians or you know teachers mentors and all that kind of stuff. When we graduate there is almost nobody backing us up you know when we enter a job field and stuff like then again you can be really privileged person you could have a good support and all that stuff but majority of people uh, these two are these two things i think demand most ownership one of them being your relationship and second being
2: your career
1: i, I think a lot of people now are, are now, you know um, are confronted with having to take ownership and learning to be about it just in their career when they step in, up into a leader's role uh, so that's what my first focus was leaders of tomorrow so people who are almost ready for a new leadership position and leadership is not like you have to be manager or boss but a lot of people are leaders within their work or leaders within you know when i when you're a school teacher you're a leader because you are leading yeah. a lot of small humans to to the next phase of their life and when you're in a leadership position you will be confronted with other people's behavior and and other people's mistakes which are basically your mistakes and you can yep. take ownership of them uh so that's i think the most people are, are introduced to it but I, I also believe that when you when i look back to my own life and to my secondary school uh, if i had known the concept ownership at that point in my life when i was 12 13 14 years old i think it would have made a huge impact in my life because i kind of like some feeling like i went i woke up when i was 80 90 years old and i was like okay whoa i'm now here and, and everything to this point has been luck or that I have entered here. Uh, and I think when younger people learn to take ownership, it will, they have so much more impact on their life that they make decisions based on what they truly want or what, what they wanna get instead of the decisions who are made for them because that so happens okay. a lot. Yeah,
0: yeah, interestingly, I think I started taking ownership when I was in like, again, you know, uh, 14, 15, but, My ownership was clouded of my people pleasing, uh, you know, characteristics because uh, I spent a lot of time, you know, like just trying to fit in the box because I wanted to please a few people like my teachers, my parents, you know, my immediate society, extended family and all that. So although I was really in a sense that I want to take ownership, what can I do about it? What can I do about it? And, you know, just asking that one question again and again, uh, helped me be a high performer. But if I could go back with this mindset that I have right now, you know, like recognizing that 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 was not me. I didn't want to participate at all in the first place. I'm just doing this because that person told me if I win, it will be so cool for him. You know, Uh, so I guess that
1: ownership
0: was quite Clouded because there were so many people around me who were influencing my decisions. Yeah. So even I, even when I was taking ownership, it was not for what I wanted.
1: Interesting, really interesting because it's like, of course, uh, the people around you determine a lot about who you are and who you become, uh, because we always look around us for role models, especially when we when we're younger. Um, and in, because, and even if you're, I, I totally wasn't a high performer in my uh, wasn't I was like efforts performing. And, um, uh, um, and I actually decided to do my education, my, my college uh, years. Um, I went to, to applied science for an education, which I, I wanted to start a supermarket. And now right now I'm in a total different field. Basically when I started my, my years at school, i didn't want to uh, start a supermarket anymore because i was shifted away but that was my reference a point of reference right about then uh, and luckily i got into like a general business education so i had of course a lot of a lot of other things i've learned there which which helped me now uh, but yeah some people aren't that lucky they go into education and they go into uh, two, three years they quit they do something else and and by the time they're 28 29 they, they still haven't decided what they want to do in their career so um, um, I think I think also it's important for the people um, around young young humans <laughs> called that way to take ownership of their role and of their their uh, you know their example they're setting and that's but so and and that's one thing one of my coaches uh, told me that she said like it would be really awesome to see everybody on the planet take ownership. And that struck me because I was I got like got thinking about it because when when you take ownership it's one thing, but in order for this to work, we actually everybody needs to take ownership to take the next level of you know uh, humankind and and uh, I have-
0: actually think you know a lot about this one part because, Uh, what they expected from me. So I grew up being, you know, really good with confidence because I was like really good, so much praised in my childhood. So I always had like a good amount of confidence, like almost always. And people had super high expectations from me. I had a lot of expectations from me. And although it was like, what's the word I can use? So it proved to be good for me in the short term don't believe me. it, it was, you know, like, good for me in the long term. Because probably, you know, like, I, I realized that that was just not me, like, it was not who I wanted to be. So yeah, and another mean joke, you know, like, Happy Mother's Day to me, uh, to myself, because of all the reparenting I had to done. I had to do for myself yeah <laughs> but yeah that you know like this comes to me again to the concept of like was it in my control or like what can I do about it and now I think the only thing I can do about is you know like just let it go and <laughs> reconnect with who I am so that I don't yeah. redo it, all those
1: it's of course it's impossible to change the past so somehow we have to accept what happened in order to move forward um because you know last time i was watching i think i was watching a spider-man movie oh no it was like justice league the new justice league cut and there was like the flash had a great comment on uh right now you are writing tomorrow's history and i was like oh wow it really hit me because like of course everybody knows is you have to be in the now and right now is where it happens but uh saying it like that it was like okay of course you can't change the past but you can change tomorrow's past right now yeah and, and i think I th- that helped me a lot like accepting and and starting with you know doing right now and working on the things i want and accepting okay sometimes things didn't happen the way i wanted them or i made stupid mistakes or even um, uh, said the wrong, the wrong things at that moment uh, but there's always a moment to to take the next step
0: sure. uh, and as we discussed about relationships, I want to discuss, you know, the second part, the second uh, life area we discussed that, you know, uh, probably these two are the life areas where anyone, like, again, talking in general about majority, they would start taking ownership. Like one of them is relationship, another one is careers. Like, because you are always told this is the subject you have to, you know, like read this, learn this, and, you know, write this in exam and you'll get a degree basically, up until yeah. you're in college. And then you enter a job and the dynamics are totally different there. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, you know, you no longer have friends there, you have colleagues. This is a huge different thing. Yeah. And bitching about your boss is like a hobby. It's a lunch activity.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> how, how would someone start... Their ownership and accountability
1: there. I think you'll learn about it because the, the, the place of work, your career, is the perfect place to to start victimization. So, because <laughs> yeah. I think that's, that, that's most people will enter ownership that way that they notice that uh, they're uh, blaming other people, blaming their boss, blaming clients, uh, blaming colleagues for their failure uh, because nobody wants to fail. But, uh, they, most uh, surprising part is that it's the only way forward, but we don't like it. So um, when you are you are confronted, for me, like was the start of my career. I I took some ownership, but I also did a lot of victimization. I I changed jobs a lot uh, because I thought like okay, going for another job was the solution. Uh, but the biggest mm. problem is what, what my coach told me: when you go to a new job, you take yourself with you, which is the biggest part of your experience <laughs> in in career and role and in your work. So I think one way or another somewhere in your career or you're going to learn how to take ownership or you're going to have somebody else tell you how to take ownership or you're going to crash and you're going to get stuck or get overwhelmed or get burnout. To, because uh, when you are constantly victimizing yourself or you know, let, let people around you try to fix your problems, um, you're not going to be happy in your work. Um, and work is a, a big, huge chunk of our time, of course. It's, uh, so, um, uh, and from that part, uh, uh, what well, for me the story was is that I I crashed a little uh, sometimes uh, in in my career, and then I learned how to take ownership and how to take control from that point forward. And was not like one day, okay, I learned ownership, and the next day, I perfectly <laughs> applied ownership and. Uh, and uh, you know, stay stay uh, where I were and learned how to to deal with it. I think it's a process also of okay, getting to know the concept, knowing that you can take responsibility, and uh, from that point moving forward, learning how to improve that, and uh, and make sure you you will. Uh, I think the first, step, of course, is awareness. Like I noticed right now when I uh, play the victim and yeah. I'm not taking ownership, and it, yeah. it doesn't mean I'm never taking. Uh, of never being in the victim role ever. Sometimes at the end of the day, I come home or downstairs and I'm like whining on clients or colleagues. And, and uh, my spouse is like looking at me and like, oh shit, I'm, I, of course I'm, I'm uh, victimizing myself. I, I don't think it's like you have to be, it is not like you never are, should be able to be the victim. Sometimes really difficult things happen and it's okay to sometimes say, okay, shit, this is happening and I don't like it. Uh, so for a moment that's okay but the next step is always okay what can I do right now and what's 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 something I can do about it uh, uh, so and, uh, and it's actually
0: something really uh, <laughs> comforting about being a victim
1: <laughs> it's, it's really comforting in the short term but it's it's, um, uh, it's because comforting it, in the short term yeah it's really comforting but the question is if do you want do you want comfort? So well, you um, know,
0: like, I, I guess it's the same choice between doing what's easy and doing what's right. or yeah. You know, like, again, short-term gains versus long-term gains.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think that's basically where it's all about because if you take ownership today, it's not going to help you solve every problem. It's, it's something you have to do for a longer time and then uh, slowly, uh, from perspective of momentum, you will see more impact of it and you see that you gain more control and you're like, oh, wow, this is impact. And that's from the snowball effect from that forward is that you uh, learn how to be in control even in situations you don't like. You, you're you going to have situations in your life which you don't like or which are difficult, uh, especially when you work because in every work, every company, even if you're working for yourself, um, there's always expectations and difficulties and things never go as planned. That's one thing, planning is beautiful, but it's never going as planned. <laughs> and, uh, and you have to deal with that um and uh, the funny thing is that we still respond to work even though we say we're rational or we are doing business decisions we still respond from an emotional feeling because it makes us feel a certain way every situation that happens and um uh, especially in in business we are not um evolved enough sometimes i believe to you know Uh, handle business as business because we still are like really stressed up about our job and about what our employer thinks of us like we even get like fight or flight responses as stress from from a client who's angry and and at the the beginning of my career I was like oh shit this client's angry I need to really need to fix this and and really stressed and heartbeat and you know all the all the, the the symptoms. And now I'm like, oh, client is is angry. This is fun. This is this is something we can we can do about it. And and uh, teaching that to to my colleagues right now in the company in, in communication and how to respond to angry clients really makes me on, a, on the top. Of, okay, this is this is kind of where the magic is in, in business that um, everybody so, is uh, doing it. Nobody knows really what it how it works.
0: Yeah, and let's talk a little more about uh, you know. You are taking ownership, but there's corporate politics around you. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do in that
2: case?
1: Uh, yeah, it's just it's really interesting. Of course, you still try to, to do whatever you can. And uh, the bigger the company, the more politics are incorporated. But also, I work in quite a small company. We have 15. Uh, let,
0: let me ask you right away. Yeah. Uh, doing what you can does not mean get involved in politics.
1: Uh, sometimes you you uh, like so sometimes, sometimes taking ownership is getting involved in the politics and trying to change them for the better if you truly believe that the politics are, mm. are wrong or preventing you from adding the true value uh, because most of the times it, it's clashing when you want to add value for a client or want to add value for a colleague and Quite. the politics actually prevents you from from truly doing that because of politics and sometimes politics are for the right reason because it's not like all politics are bad um, I'm, I'm into a company right now and we are doing a lot on security measures for for software and there are a lot of policies around security and software and it's not like that policies in general all bad, but it's the, the easiest way to hide. Uh, uh, bullshit basically in a company is in politics and in, in process and hide behind no, this is our procedure I can't do anything else and yeah. story. I, it would be not in my benefit to help you this way. And if, if you know, like uh, people on a help desk or a support desk, if they truly would respond from ownership, they would say totally different things. That sorry, this is a procedure. That's a bullshit answer. Procedures are are defined by a certain way. And if you know why the procedure is, you can explain from your ownership. Because one thing of ownership, you would say, like, we would lose a lot of money, which wouldn't help our clients if we do it this way. So we don't do it that way. Uh, that's a total different, and that's basically the same. Could be the same answer as this is our policy. Uh, but when policies are working against you, are working against clients because they are set up from higher up or from other reasons yeah. or from different agendas. I think it's you know try to do what you can uh, to change it. Try to find the loopholes. That's something I love always love because there's always a loophole around it, and and uh, we sometimes let process get in our way of our creativity. And the same as I, I work in software most of my career. And in software is like you're your own limitation because you have tools and you can create anything but your, your mind is the basic limitation of what you can achieve. And I think we, we let process and politics um, easily block us from creativity and, and working around other things, uh, how we can solve it. And sometimes, uh, and I think that's the last resort of ownership is that, okay, this is the policy. The policy is there for hundred years. Um, I can change it. I, I accept it. I accept it, and I uh, especially try to protect myself from frustration. And frustration, of course, is uh, expectations are the mother of all frustration. So, helping yourself set different expectations and uh, and uh, yeah, try always to be to be honest with yourself and to your client. Because if you started, you know, changing new words or changing your your personal belief to a client, I think that's where your not taking ownership first, but also like doing the opposite, and and like changing yourself because you can you don't have all the influence. We we have not 100% control of everything. And, um, and one thing one time I had with a client who called me with a project which was not going well, and I sold the project. And the client a remember client called me and she was like, "This is this is not going well. This is really uh, uh, not good," and I agree. And she was like, what, he, he is not protected. I, I I agree, this is, this, is not, this is not how I envisioned it. And, and this is what happening and this is what's happening. Um, and, uh, and then I said, and this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to change and I'm going to talk to that person. And I'm going to try to, to do as much as I can, but I have sold the project, but I'm not on the project. So my, my impact is, is limited, but I'm going to do whatever I can. And I could also protect the entire company and the entire team and make some bullshit reasons why it should be. Uh, and and I think that's a lot of people are, are protecting somebody else without personal gain or without it helping themselves. Well, they also could, uh, you know, take ownership. And ownership is, is a lot of taking ownership takes courage because you sometimes have to say the things which are not easy, which is, is like saying no sometimes. Eh? No is, is not the most easy answer. It's really easy to say, yes, yes, of course I will do it. And then shit, 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 I have to uh, do it. And I don't like it. Uh, But uh, when you take that courage, it will help you gain a lot more control. So
0: when you say, and you know, like that, okay, this is messed up. You know, let me make it better. Uh, As I discussed, you know, like, I think I've been taking ownership since I was 14, 15, 16. Like being practical, what can I do about it? What can I do about it? So I have always had that kind of a mentality or mindset that, you know, like.
1: really young, really young.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So like I mentioned, uh, you know, those society people and parents really helped me get a lot of good stuff. But somewhere deep down, I always feel that, you know, like there are, there were a lot of things that I didn't want. A lot of things they did were like, most of the things they did were really good. Anyway, so, you know, like, so, uh, coming back to the point, so uh, one thing that I learned was to self-blame. <laughs> now, it's a really good part, point in a lot of cases, but over the time, I realized that it's not really a healthy, you know, uh, a healthy practice.
1: No, and there is, I think the, the, the summary of taking ownership uh, from the book of Jacques Welling is there's no one else to blame, ever. And that includes yourself, <laughs> and that's really amazing. Because even when you are the only one making a mistake and you take ownership for the mistake, is it is it really helpful to blame yourself? Uh, basically, when you we don't make mistakes on purpose, uh, and even if we do, <laughs> we think we have. A, I think when you are going to make mistakes on purpose, you have a, a much bigger uh, fish to fry, because you have not the tools or the resources or the resourcefulness to to be able to do it any other way but most of the times mistakes are what they are mistakes we do them accidentally it's not called accidents if we plan them and uh, blaming yourself for doing it oh i'm stupid it's it's of course victimization because you're basically blaming yourself on yourself but uh, when you say okay i i didn't do that right uh, I, I take ownership for that and i can change this and this to do it to prevent it the next time um, then, then it's not blame but it's looking forward and learning and self-blame is just not helping yourself it's like basically bashing on your, your own skull for not being the perfect version you have to be without accepting that the the variables or the certain situation or the thoughts or the, the things you need to know in order to do it right are available for you at that moment
0: well, but, do but you
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah do you believe this is the uh... Uh, this is something that a person who, let's say, starts taking ownership in their life, this is something that they will learn first time because I really uh, can you know, predict that blaming themselves is going to be a really uh, core issue that they're going to develop and obviously something that they will tackle over the time. But
1: especially when you learn from yourself and like self-learning about taking ownership, it's easy It. i think that that's basically because a lot of people uh learn taking ownership from the need of taking ownership you know it's not that they learn it in a book or learn it at school but i i,
0: um, I feel yeah. exposed i feel exposed
1: i know it's, it's easy because and that's that's make you know makes total sense because a lot of things we learn in our life because we need them or need to have them and that's how we learn them and and especially at the younger age we don't have the resources to to find the right information about it. Uh, mm. So we just, you know, do and learn. And, and when you do and learn without, you know, knowing the essentials, it's really easy to go wrong. The same would be when I need to go somewhere and I step in a car and I learn myself to drive. I will not be able to to learn the right things uh, other people has done over the years and, and fail to, you know, and that's why you have to put on a seatbelt because you never would think about it yourself when you first step into a car to put on a seatbelt simply because you have to have a crash first oh shit i need to take some out i think that's that's a common problem when you, when people are uh, uneducated about the concept of ownership about the, the total essential uh, so i i can start to take ownership yeah
0: i can share my experience around it and yeah that makes a lot of sense i could never you know like connect the dots and put some words on it So uh, imagine I am in the middle of my graduation. So I graduated with a three year degree in biotechnology Uh, in exactly the middle of it, like one and a half years ago, uh, one and a half years later, I realized that due to some financial issues and all that stuff, I will no longer be able to continue my studies. I wanted it so badly, you know, I wanted to do a doctorate in it and all that kind of stuff like really childhood dreams. That was kind of, a 15 year project that I was working on. I was already six years into it. And then I realized I cannot pursue it anymore. Uh, And some other relationship issues and all other blah, 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 other issues came up and I went into depression and uh, anxiety attack started happening and I developed this binge eating disorder from a skinny teenager, I became a overweight person. I literally hated every single thing about myself.
1: Wow. That's deep. Every,
0: every <laughs> single thing, each single thing, every single thing about myself. Because as you mentioned, that was the time I needed to take ownership. I realized, you know, like my parents are doing a lot, but this is where I need to start earning for myself. I can continue asking for them. I was like, I don't know, 1920 at that time. And I could continue asking them for money, but I know that you know, like they are struggling to, you know, like afford my luxuries. So I need to do something about it. And obviously at that time, I started looking out for new options. I learned digital marketing on my own. So I'm essentially a self-taught person in whatever I'm doing, mostly. And yeah, over the years, my only drive to change myself has been that I literally hate everything about myself. Like, not right now.
1: Um, No, no, was great to see you smile, because it's really, really, uh, yeah, if you hate everything about yourself, it's it's really difficult. Like, it's it's
0: something that I'm making peace with for the last one and a half years now, since, you know, that breakup happened. But otherwise, like, for a long time, for three, four years, I guess, I really hated each and everything about myself. The way I look, the way I eat, the way I speak, the way I write, the way I... I don't know, the way my body is, the way I am, I'll always hate something because uh, internally, I made a belief that only if I hate something, I would be motivated enough to change it.
1: It's a really bad motivation, but it could help. (laughs) No, In
0: in short term, it really helped.
1: (laughs) Yeah,
2: It was a great
0: thing to work on a short term. In the long term, I'm paying my prices. by paying my prices that means i'm going therapy every now and then i'm working with a coach every now and then and then again the acceptance issues comes again over and over again in conversations like i really need to accept myself the way i am
1: yeah and and the the difficult part is that you you wire your brain and it's like uh, the longer you do it the long the more usual it is for your brain that you are hating yourself and and we humans already tend to be negative because it's more safe especially from a survival aspect um so especially when you when you start hating yourself it's it's kind of like a safe way of because you can't do anything wrong when you hate yourself because you already hate yourself (laughs) so uh, but it's a really dangerous place to 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 be in because uh, i believe every human is good from from the start and um um uh, going forward, it can be a great drive. But, but at what cost? Because you're once you start loving yourself, you'll never be able to move again. And, and that's where you get stuck. So it helped, like maybe helped you get some parts in your life, but you'll never get to the end essentially because you're, you're using f- uh, fuel, which is not always available when you want to do it. No, no,
0: then again, it, it, um, you know, the way I behaved with myself for those three, four years, it was at a really big cost that I'm paying even now. Like, cost in terms of literal money that I have to invest in therapy and everything. <laughs> Not talking about other stuff, but, you know, like, starting with the actual cost and money price of it. But then again, you know, like, a lot of my relationships suffered because of this. Because I never felt that I'm good enough. I always, always like, there's room of improvement. I'll, all you know, even up until, like, three months ago, and then again, as I'm mentioning, you know, it's like a repeating conversation that I'm having with my coaches and therapists that uh so when I stopped hating myself in present, like who I am, I started hating myself
2: of the past
1: <laughs> who I was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what was one thing for you? Because I think a lot of people can be easily struggling with this, especially when they are forced into taking ownership. You you take ownership responsibility of your mistakes and other people's mistakes. And before you know it, you are blaming yourself for the mistake because there's no one else to blame and you think you're the only person yeah and what what would be an advice for people who are stuck in a situation now to to get moving past that point what was the first step for you what's really helped you
0: uh like stop blaming myself
1: yeah and then what (laughs) yeah and no no
0: i'm asking you know like are you asking about this yeah yeah so uh as I mentioned, you know, like detachment has been kind of a like I have always had a love-hate relationship with detachment. Like I was always worried about that, you know, like I'll always be detached from someone, and I can never have a happy relationship and stuff like that. Like it's easier for me to, you know, like let go of someone like this with a snap of a finger. And then one day, my mentor asked me. And that was kind of my entry door into this world of acceptance, and uh, he asked me like. Depanchu or how long will you continue looking? For how long will you keep treating your characteristics as your issues? A good one. So that was the day when I realized that you know like detachment is kind of a like obviously at that point it was like I started treating it like I needed a huge change. So instead of feeling neutral, I started feeling good about it. Like this is something that people crave that they, you know, like they want to feel detached or they want to, you you see, I've seen a lot of people around me who want to learn how to detach themselves. And that was like my go-to thing that I could easily do with any conversation, with anything, with anyone. So I started looking at it in a positive way. Now it's like sort of a neutral thing. I need to go there when I need it. But when I needed the change, instead of treating it as a negative thing, I started looking at it as a positive thing. Like, I can, it's a superpower. Like, people crave for it. (laughs) People want to fly, and I already know how to fly, you know, that kind of a thing. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: So, that was the entry door for me in this whole acceptance zone. And again, I'm sorry, over the time, I had different issues, and I worked with different coaches and therapists, and, you know, like, it's a repeating thing. Then again, it uh, again comes up uh, during uh, today's sessions as well. But yeah, definitely a lot. Of yeah. Things. So the thing is during uh,
1: those. Yeah. Go on. The one one interesting thing because mental mental health issues are. are uh, sometimes discarded as something you, you need to fix. And personally, I believe you need, to, you need to be able to learn how to handle it instead of fix yeah. it, of course, because yeah. we, can't, we can't actually change our thoughts or our thoughts are coming. But how do you, um, um, because detachment is one thing you said, but how in, in relationship is detachment with acceptance? What is the difference for you? Uh,
0: so empathy is something that I lack so that kind of helped me balance the detachment out. Empathy and compassion, you know, like actually uh, detaching myself from the whole equation and thinking about what the other person is feeling. And if it's being too painful or over dramatic or something like that, I would take like 10 steps back. But if it's something that's not affecting too much of me, but they are being really affected, i rather take a step back and see what's best for them. What can I do for them? Like maybe not for us, but what can I do for them? Kind of that. Uh, again, something that I'm learning and I cannot say I have a lot of experience in this. Okay, oh, yeah, I've
1: experienced it. it's more than me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it's actually, you know, uh, because you mentioned Spider-Man, it, it's like uh, how <laughs> uh, when Spider-Man had his superpowers, he was always feeling bad about it. Like, why am I the chosen one? You know, like, why am I getting this power? And then there was this uncle of his that told him, you know, like with greater power comes greater responsibilities.
1: Lovely and then correct. he
0: yeah. started accepting himself that, you know, this is who I am and I need to use it really carefully.
2: Yeah. And yeah. I
0: believe I'm going through that phase. And also I like being compared to superhero.
1: Who yeah. doesn't, <laughs> 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 right? But it's great that you're actually because you like to be compared to the superhero is I think one measure of not hating yourself because everybody wants to be a superhero because we all love to. That's why I think the muse are, are great because we, we somehow identify ourselves with being a hero because who doesn't want to be a hero? You know, We all want to, to have impact and we want to help people and we want to be seen and want to be respected. And, I believe uh,
0: it's, it's, a, it's going to be a journey from considering it as a negative trait. Right now, not even right now, like I'm always transitioning into it. Now I'm seeing it as a like a positive thing, as a superhero kind of thing. But over the time, it needs to be like a neutral thing, yeah. you know, like for an ideal thing. But I don't know how much of it is possible or not. But this is what the ideal thing looks like. Uh, that that was you know like my case, and I actually hated I don't know whom I I had a lot of hate and anger that you know. I couldn't uh, fulfill my dreams, and like at that time. And then again, over the time, I realized that was not my dream in the first place. So that kind of <laughs> cooled down a lot of things. <laughs> but
1: it was, somebody else's I was, dream. Yeah.
0: it was somebody else's dream, and I don't know. So uh, yeah, so uh, there's always plus and minus of everything, even if you have bad childhood or a good childhood
1: yeah but it, it, it doesn't have to be like people have a, have a great childhood uh and also the, a really interesting story because i came from my father was a was a postal guy so he bring bring around the, the letters and he did that his entire life and he he um, uh, quit working he went uh, retired a couple of years ago and he did his entire life and so i've always learned to earn everything myself every every euro um My wife comes from a family where my my father-in-law has a company uh, that is good. So one thing I learned from from total different perspectives of one thing in life, which is money, of course, is that uh, getting brought up without money doesn't feel great because you don't have the, the money to spend it. But it learned me how to earn money and how to work for it. Instead of a lot of people I see who have had a great childhood, had everything they wanted, but they haven't learned one essential skill how to make money and how to work for it and how to grind and and now they have to learn on a later age how to to do that so i think nobody has a perfect upbringing we all have at have, one aspect we we need to compensate it in later life and so everybody has and that's i think and that's the total comparison uh I think world right now economy I don't know but we're all comparing ourselves to the people on Instagram and to their perfect version Um, and we try to be that when uh, the funny thing is we we, we have some kind of misconception that we all have the same book and we all have the same order of the pages and I believe in like okay toss out all the pages in the book and see where you are and see what you're missing and that's your story and the, the way I think there's not like a better version or wrong version of being where you are it's especially order because some parts in life i have already have been but other parts in life some people who are younger than me already have been and i haven't been there um, mm. and and that's okay it's not like I'm, I'm further because i have a different route and um uh i think one thing for for that is that your childhood or your upbringing is not like perfection it's only d- determining which pages your pages you already have seen yeah. and and which one you haven't, so. um,
0: So uh, here's an interesting, so I I really, am enjoying this conversation because I, so (laughs) in my life, there are so many incidents that I was not able to label them or use them as a story or something. But talking to you particularly about ownership, I see how that has been the case in a lot of stories. And I'm not talking about this in terms of that, I'm boasting about it, but there has been one successful experiment that I did so uh, <laughs> I remember you know like i mentioned uh, my last, last breakup in September 2019 and I was really frustrated and really unhappy at that moment and uh, September is my birthday you know 24th uh, September so I, I, I usually remember. spend I, I still remember uh, I still love spending my body alone I I usually do not pick up calls for first half of the day. No matter who's calling and all that stuff, I'll just, you know, like my phone is on silent. And if possible, if it's not COVID, I like to travel. (laughs) Somewhere in hilly area, somewhere that's peaceful and, you know, it's fresh air. Hills are not too far from here. So I remember going to uh, Dharamshala in Himachal, where there is, you know, Dalai Lama and all of those Buddhist monks. And I was traveling on the bird and I went to that temple and I like I didn't know you could see peace on somebody's face. <laughs> I, I always thought that was something you could only feel but you know people were praying there and those monks there like I could see peace on their face. That was a huge I was like I want that thing. <laughs> I don't have that thing. I want that thing. <laughs> so uh, here's an interesting experiment I did I came back and I note down on a uh, paper that okay I want to be like that I want to be peaceful like that what do they do you know like that make them peaceful or what do they do in general so I wrote down a couple of things one of them was celibacy so that's the reason I practice celibacy one of them was uh, they are kind they are compassionate they have routine they have discipline uh, they practice non-violence and all those kind of stuff and I started practicing one by one that was actually my entry into uh, learning how to be kind and compassionate
1: that's a great that's a really tough way basically because non-violence and also non-violence in your communication is like a huge skill. it's not something you easily
0: (laughs) I met met a monk with this monk in uh, eight nine months ago and he he asked me, I told him, you know, like I'm already a vegan. It's been two years now, and I'm practicing nonviolence. I'm not killing anyone just for you know my tip of the tongue. And he said, level it up. Like practice nonviolence in your thoughts and words as well. That meant not using any F word or any curse word. <laughs> or uh Non-violence in words also meant not insulting people or being sarcastic with them.
1: Wow, that's the goal.
0: <laughs> so that was like 90% of my humor <laughs> that went down the road. <laughs> but uh, guess what? Like I've been doing it for, since I met him and obviously I'm not 100% perfect. I, but so far nowadays I'm 99% successful. Like I do not abuse. I do not use that word. 99% success is a good success. But initially, it was probably less than 50%. Mm-hmm. I I'd say that word first, and then realize, oh, I was not meant to say that.
1: But I, mean, I think I think what you're saying is a great aspect, because uh, most people, when they start to change, they start blaming themselves when they are not do it. And that's the part where most people quit. <laughs> because when they no, no, look, at, look at New Year's resolutions, most people, I think 98% of New Year's resolutions are done in three months. And the, the yeah. most reason is, and they, of course, they tell you to, they encourage you to tell other people about it. And when you do, it's even more difficult. So I also say, perhaps don't tell other people, but tell a select small group of people. Because when we, um, the first step in ever changes awareness and, and awareness only comes from failure. Because when, you, when you're doing push-ups, you learn how it works when you're missing a day or when you're, especially when, when being kind or being empathetic, empathetic, you learn that when you're not doing it, you learn the difference. Yeah. And when you beat yourself up, that's the first reason people quit, because they simply don't like themselves anymore on that specific topic. And what you, when you enlarge that in your entire life, you just start to hate yourself. And that's not really a basis of where you can, can grow um so i think it uh, you know even when you're doing five percent 50 percent, or 99 i think it's w- way better than you did before and i think it's really really honorable that you when you try to be totally non-financed it's like for me it, i think when i when i start to realize what it means for me in my life um that's going to be hard <laughs> it's Come not, on. Not, going, not, not going to be my next chapter i have a lot of chapters before that but, but uh, I think what is great is to, to tell other people about it because uh, some people know that this is possible. And for some people, this might be their next step. And, and might be like, okay, when the bunch was doing it, you just start doing it. And even 1% every day, you can get better and better and better. And over time, and it's basically the momentum method, of course. When you get better over time, you'll learn that it's possible. And, and even if you're not perfect like a monk, because you know, being as good as a monk while living in society and doing your job, I i, did, I don't know that's, I, I don't believe it is even possible because they don't uh, uh, live in their temples for nothing. They use to to distract them, not distract themselves and, and have total focus because otherwise their lifestyle is not possible. But uh, the goal of their lifestyle is not uh, just, yeah. you know, to, to let them clone it, but learn and try to do as best as you can i think that's for any religion it's not like you have to be perfect in a religion because it will only burn you out try to be the best version of yourself every day is is more than uh admirable already to, so, to be there
0: you know the impact of that has been because you know like then again as i mentioned i started with probably 50 or 40 percent you know like not so uh if let's say and i used to have that habit of you know like using F or. C or B or some of those kind of words, every other sentence. So I was speaking them a lot, obviously more than hundred times a day. So it was, it started with, you know, like less than 50, you know, like that was the, so I believe a majority of shift happens here. Just one thought that you have that, you know what I'm going to change. You will change 50 to 60% right in that moment.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. Not hundred percent, but 50 to 60% right away.
1: It is imp- it's impossible to to prevent you from thinking it, I guess. Because
0: yeah, because you know, like uh, then again, your thoughts create your reality. Uh, it's, it's in CBT, it's in you know, like that uh, NLP and everywhere. So that that started happening, and over the time, it I saw all the areas where I would you know use those words, and I stopped doing it. So it was as you mentioned, you know, the stimuli and response thing. Yeah. It was a stimuli that I get angry, and or you know, like I get frustrated, and I will use that word. It it was a by default thing. But now my life is not effed up. My life is messed up. There's a lot of difference in these two sentences.
1: Also, in the energy you sent in your own body because you you talk a lot to yourself that way. So you, you yeah. made you
0: are in my team. You made a mistake. You didn't effort. up. You messed up. You messed up. So. Although it's again a bad thing, but whatever it is, the energy shift is a lot.
2: Yeah.
0: How you feel about it. So it's something that's going to be super hard. But again, I, I really love challenging, I love experiments and all that stuff. So I did that and I'm so glad I did it. People usually make an excuse that, you know, like you don't need to pretend something or do that or you don't mean it. And like if you don't mean it, why are you saying it?
1: <laughs> True. If it's a
0: negative word. Why do you need to say? It? But yeah, interesting experiment. Super tough, super interesting.
1: Um, really, what really hits me is that a lot of a lot of uh, things in changing your life, even if you're working on your kindness or or working on being a better human or uh, working on ownership, it's a lot about rephrasing. So for, yes. at first, it's impossible to stop a thought because your thoughts arise from a situation, and it made us feel some a certain way. Uh, but I believe when you actively decide to not act on the thought and and rephrase what you would like to say or even you know say it out loud and then oh wait i rephrase it uh, especially yeah. with but if, I, I did a lot with victimization when i speak out victimization and like snap okay there's victimized and i'm rephr- so sorry i rephrase it from ownership and um from that point we we also uh, learn ourselves and also you know train the mind to have lots of the, those thoughts so because
0: yeah. So around that victimization part, the next level that, you know, like I've been experimenting and learning about nonviolence is nonviolence in thought that would mean no judgment or no jealousy because, you know, like judgment is a victimization that, uh, you know, you understand. So, yeah. But before we go there, one uh, progress that I have experienced in my thoughts has been that. So when I started, not saying curse words Uh, in the, in the start, I would still say sometimes, you know, like I'm really frustrated, it will come out of my mouth and then I realize, Oh, this is what has happened. But after certain times it was all only in thought. And then I had a mental check that, okay, do I want to say it out loud or not? And over the time, even my thoughts with those words started reducing. It's not gone. I still have a lot of F words in my mind, heading, rotating.
1: <laughs> I think it's, it's impossible to, to totally eliminate it because our, our thoughts are. I, I,
0: I totally believe it's going to eliminate like 90% over the years.
1: Yeah. I think I we can rewire a lot. Yeah.
0: I genuinely believe monks do not think F words in most of the cases, like 95, 99% because of the years of training that they are going through or years of practice that they have gone through. Yeah. Like nowadays, even for you, I, I can pretty much assume, I know that you may still victimize yourself a lot, but 90-95% of, of the time, you will take ownership in the very first instance.
2: Yeah.
0: Maybe it's 80% or 90%, whatever is your case, but what I'm feeling is over the years, with more practice, it gets better.
1: Yeah, and it's also like a like a, a, a progressing curve. You you know the first sixty to eighty percent is easily achieved, but it, going to from being you know fair enough to mastery is that takes years. And one one thing I also think is because one benefit monks have over us is that they don't have people around them using the F word, so their their subconscious <laughs> mind doesn't. And, and when you look, when I think when you watch I, like have, Netflix have or something.
0: A- have you yeah that, that's actually one thing that's actually a really big thing that uh when you are watching netflix or when you're watching comedy shows and all that stuff they have a lot of f-words a lot yeah, of comedy swear. has a lot of uh, you know like again sarcasm insight and you know a lot of uh i don't know non-vegetarian jokes and all that stuff right uh but one thing I realized, so as I mentioned, you know, like I met this one monk. He is like really nearby. I guess 10-15 kilometers from here. Uh, he uses Facebook, Instagram, and everything. He goes live every day on Instagram and meditates. He has a good Facebook channel, and uh, his uh, he has published I guess six or seven books. So I'm totally in the belief that that was in the past when monks were totally cut out but now it's you know kind of a reaffirming fact that even when you are surrounded by all of these things turning those shawl- shows on netflix is totally your choice
1: Yeah, absolutely agree
0: yeah <laughs> like nobody's yeah. coming to you to you know like uh, type in porn-, porn sites for you it's totally your choice and A lot of ownership i believe is about that you have a choice
1: yeah you always have most of the times you have a choice yeah i I totally believe that yeah
0: unless somebody points a gun at your head and they ask you you know like watch this one hour of porn?" you don't have to you don't have to do that
1: (laughs) (laughs) even then you have a choice to be dad to watch the netflix show but (laughs) much much easier to watch a netflix show and stay alive and, and work on the next moment but yeah I, th- I totally agree and, I, and it's really interesting for me me to hear that that um because i think there's a lot of things going around social media that it's causing anxiety and and that it's bad for us humans and i believe there's of course there's always a negative side to everything so also to social media but when yeah. we learn to um use social media the way monks use it and still be able to to do the things they did before i think that shows that it's possible to, to have a healthy relationship with uh, technology and with, with uh, social media and with, with the internet uh, even though there's a lot of seduction into the dark side <laughs> where where we can, we can suck into and and uh, one thing for me personally is that uh, it's really easy to scroll away your time uh, on the couch especially when you're tired after day of working and you go into Instagram and somebody asks you oh I have a new post and you're like oh I'm checking it out and then you're like in the rabbit hole because it's it's dopamine all the way you know it's dopamine dopamine yeah. dopamine, dopamine. it's like so super easy to feel better uh, in the short term it, it's always like a it's like a, the donut effect is you want to if you want to eat a donut it's it's lovely to eat a donut because you, you have the short term effect of something really sweet but the long term if you keep eating donuts every day you're going to be grow <laughs> grow as a human in a different way of growing and uh, and it's not good for you and And uh, I think the true success lies in in making those long-term decisions on the short term, and keep keep trusting in the process because you don't get overnight success. There's no shortcut, and you have to keep focusing on it over and over. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I I discussed this with Chris Jennings. Uh, I mentioned him earlier in the conversation that uh, he's a person who helps others, you know, improve their relation with technology. So I did again. I did an experiment like. Two, three, four years ago, I don't remember, two, three years ago maybe, I unfollowed everyone on my Instagram. And uh, I only followed like 30, 40, 50 pages who were thought leaders, who were coaches, or, you know, like some uh, people who would motivate me or teach me something that I wanted to learn about. The good thing about that was every time I would open Instagram, it would be filled with education. So it was not a social media site, it was an educational site. for The bad thing about that was a lot of people got upset with me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) because I involved them. (laughs) But that was a lovely experiment to see. You know, like anything could be educational. Like YouTube is the biggest academy right now. Yeah. But it's totally your choice if you are going to end up like me watching funny dog videos on YouTube. I don't.
1: don't, One funny thing is you guys. Uh, i think it's also a generation there a lot of people around me are like oh i watch youtube video or i learned it on youtube and um i learned a lot before youtube but i even have been there when youtube started a couple of years ago of course and one thing i noticed that i don't like to but when i when i watch youtube videos or they're at one and a half percent because it's way too slow for me um or i'm like scripting through it to the parts i want to learn so i I much better prefer like a website where I can uh, command F true and find the information I need than, than watching a YouTube video. But I think a lot of people are watching YouTube now. and the funny thing about YouTube is that there's like no uh, reality check. When, when in the early days when you have to publish a book, you know you have to go to a publisher and they have to check if it's true. And nowadays you have YouTube. and YouTube is like an unfiltered mix of, of information and knowledge. and sometimes I'm watching YouTube, and I'm like, this is not true. This is not even correct. You know, is, I don't know how you can make this video. And and I think that's that's one of the, the, the dark sides of, of YouTube. is that everybody is able to to publish and post, even if it's not uh, based on research or, or knowledge they have gained. They just could have heard it in another YouTube video and blah, blah. And you, you get it a fact. But but I think it's um, it's great. That's, to, actually,
0: that's actually quite, uh, quite. The thing around the whole social media. So, a lot of things that been happening in India that I've seen is a lot of influences coming out that if you have any anxiety or depression, we are here to listen to you. We will provide, you know, uh, a listening ear or something like that. Then they're also charging those people and they don't understand <laughs> that. You need to have actually. You need to actually go through certain training in order to help mental illness.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's quite, <laughs> a, it's quite a big ask uh, to to. Uh, I, also, my uh, I know people close by who have been through uh, therapy a lot and so i know quite some stuff about it i know of course because most of the principles of ownership are based on cognitive yeah. behavior, behavioral therapy that's the thought situation thought and the yep. emotion, and decision part is is from uh, cognitive behavior uh, but um in order to if, when somebody asks me i have mental health issues and do you want to coach me I'll, i don't want to like to easily go into that like okay yeah of course no problem i would say okay where are your problems and and do you already have help or do you are you helping yourself or do you know what because it's really it's kind of a responsibility to to yeah. help somebody with mental health because you could easily help them the other way around or try a short-term fix which will only derail their progress of for years could be really for years because mental health is, is not something to be uh, uh, easy about. And I love that there's, there's way more awareness because in the early, I think, I think a decade ago, yeah, mental health was like you're a fool and we, we need to hide you in the barn. And, uh, and it's, it's not something you talk about. I think it's great that, that we opening up and we talk about it a lot, but, i hope uh, i hope essentially hope that people will take keep taking it serious because it's it's just like breaking a leg. it's a serious something and um uh, it's not like something to fix that i think that's the most important thing to bring out there it's not something you need to fix because it's impossible to fix having thoughts it's it's important to learn how to respond and handle it
0: i Um, actually uh so my area of expertise is in emotions and you know
1: which is really
0: close to therapy, but then again, I'm a coach. I'm not a therapist. I make that really, really clear. Uh, and I'll use coaching-based principles, all the models that we have learned, habit coaching, and all that stuff, uh, in order for you know emotions and anxiety and all that stuff. But the first thing I make sure is that you don't have clinical anxiety. If you have, if you think, if you even, if you are even using the word depression and you know like anxiety, let's refer you to a therapist.
2: Yeah.
0: And I refer a lot of people to therapists. I actually joined an affiliate program
1: because yeah.
2: of
1: <laughs> you're making money out of it. Yeah. I'm
0: like, why not? Because you know, like I have personally worked with I guess two or three therapists only, and uh, they are brilliant at what they do. So I refer people to them. And therapy is like really affordable in India. Super affordable. It's it's like uh, ten fifteen dollars a session. Oh, wow. Just even in India, really affordable, really affordable. Like online therapy, not the offline case, but online therapy.
1: It's it's much more expensive here. the 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 best part is in in. Holidays. It's expensive
0: everywhere. It's expensive everywhere in India because of the rise of the uh, mental health apps. You know, like it's getting a lot affordable. So fifteen dollars mm-hmm. for a session is like quite affordable.
1: Yeah. Okay, wow. that's, that's, I think that's, that's great because in, we, of course we have a, have a really great healthcare system here, Ireland, but a lot of part is based on you can, you know, it's part of the healthcare uh, system. You don't have to pay for it for the first six, twelve sessions I guess, but after that mm. it gets quite, gets quite expensive because there are senior professionals we know who and, and have quite an education because you need to be a psychologist like yeah. you know, go to school for like I think around six to seven six, seven, six or eight years and um uh, it's not it's not cheap but i also and that's something i'm personally working on is that um for some people going therapy isn't the solution for them and, no. and also oh. with, with depression of course i i don't want to treat depression because I'm, i think i'm not capable of helping someone with depression but i can help someone take ownership of their health and move every day and, and that's not the, the thing that's going to fix depression, but it's helping you of course because you know moving and and exercising will so help in, you in those cases probably how i have
0: again i haven't had a chance to work with any client like that but then i have like you know my tools and uh, tricks ready for that but you know like they have to sign a contract that their therapist allows them to work with a coach Yeah, <laughs> because you know like you can avoid short-term gains it's totally optional but do not avoid your long-term therapy that's what you need coaching is probably a luxury that that's how i perceive like you know therapy is a necessity but coaching is a luxury
1: i think both are necessities because um uh what i think i believe a lot of a lot of people know and that's really interesting because I've, i've i've had a coach most of my career i run into it kind of accidentally because the guy i was graduating the company i was graduating was a coach himself so he already taught me some tricks and after that I, I mm-hmm. have had on and on some coaching and I believe that um, if we are going to treat coaching more like a necessity to to gain momentum and even even if it's just a colleague who is in a role of coaching I right? don't have to be a professional so coach.
0: my my definition of necessity is without which you will die uh,
2: okay you know like no, that's, water
0: that's, water is a necessity or air is a necessity in that term you will not die if you don't get coaching you will probably hardly survive but you will still survive, but, still you will,
1: survive. Yeah. Well, but the, the question you will is, actually, do, you, do you do you truly live yeah. that's the other so,
0: proposition so if you want to grow coaching is like 100% yeah. mandatory yeah but if you are okay living a mid-sized average life you can avoid coaching but never avoid therapy i'm like a huge i'm not a therapist but i promote therapy a lot
1: now, do not avoid one thing, therapy. One thing that is really making it curious for me is that um, uh, people who have a bad day right now easily use the word depression.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: How, do you, yeah. how do you feel about that?
0: So then again, you know, like that's why whenever somebody texts me that, you know, like I have anxiety, I tell them, you know, like let's get on a call, let's discuss, and I'm not coaching you or anything. Let me just understand what you're going through because I have had anxiety. Uh, let me see you know where you are, and let, if I'm not the person to help you, let me directly refer you to somebody. but if I can help you, if your anxiety is only because you are not able to go to gym, let me help you in that. Yeah. but if your anxiety is deeply rooted, that's not like you you have an anxiety disorder, you're having anxiety again and again multiple times a day, panic attacks and all that stuff. I'm definitely not the right person to help you, but then again, I could be having one conversation with you i could share my experience with you and i can definitely you know like refer my therapist to you but a lot of times we journalize therapy and uh we journalize depression and uh anxiety a lot like you could have a little bit of nervousness but you will term it as anxiety like it's not anxiety if you are feeling it for the first time when you're appearing in an interview it's just that you're nervous
1: no, so but yep. because of the because of the awareness which is now creating it, the side effect is that uh, everybody yep. from like the Hippocrates kind of things is saying, oh I, I have anxiety or I have mental health problems, and and especially when uh, you know like like um, celebrity people are also working. To, people sometimes I I believe it would be like people want would want to have anxiety in order to fit in. Uh, kind of like plan like that, and and, and I think that's that's really a, a difficult <laughs> move, movement in in the part. For... There's the
0: same thing with Me Too movement. Like there were a lot of bad feminism, you know, like bad feminists or yeah, uh, you, you got the point, who made, who took advantage of the whole Me Too movement. Yeah, yeah. I just... <laughs> I generally hated feminism for a long time because it, <laughs> inside of, I actually talked about it. In childhood, I had like, a not one, but a few bad experiences of toxic feminism. Like where the girl was given privilege or advantage just because she's a girl. And I always hated that fact. I was like, why? Why? And, you know,
1: I think feminism is good, you know, because I think every movement has a start and and the goal is sure. not I, I don't believe the goal is to to be feminist the goal is to gain balance in the world and and the same goes for slavery It's like slavery was total bad so they they quit 100 percent slavery but that doesn't solve the problem of of what you still see in america that we're equal and um before we all are really internalized that we humans are all equal yeah. no matter what i think it's going to take a long long time before we're there and then so, another problem will arise because imbalance will always <laughs> be there <laughs> somehow. But, In yeah. the
0: first, you know, like these uh, conversational interview series, the first person I invited, like, was a really uh, good friend of mine, is a really good friend of mine, Anangsha. She's an amazing writer and she writes about feminism. I discussed with her and she gave me like genuinely good points and obviously when I started learning more about kindness and empathy and all that stuff, so I started seeing that, you know, like, it's just that I have biases because of my experience but yeah. that may not be true like it has been true in my experience that feminism is bad but only because i have statistical biases you know like i have only faced three issues of that out of like so many billions <laughs> so-
1: <laughs> and, also, and also that that we labeled the situation as uh, toxic feminism and it's really interesting because uh, uh you know people who uh, get privileged or or uh, get lucky or uh, get chosen above another on different reasons uh, shouldn't always be uh, feminism you know and, but we we easily label it and and i think with anxiety because it's it's related the relationship is there that we easy now label everything as an anxiety or yeah. as a disorder and when, when i think we're when we're don't looking out as a human society everybody has to go to therapy before before the 30s and i'm like what what's happening because it's i think no i still believe that fact. yeah everybody should
0: go to therapy but not because you have any disorder but because you want to understand yourself and i believe therapy is a really good tool to do that but not again there is something to fix you or you need some help just in order everybody needs
1: to go to therapy i think it should be the education system where like learning about yourself because else therapy is now like it's, it's like going to a doctor. When you're not ill, you don't go to a doctor, and and I think therapy should be something a, a great part. Of therapy should always be available because sometimes people get in situations where it's difficult and they need to get help to to learn how to deal with that and affect that and and things are helping them. But I think in general we need to um, level up the education system to learn yeah. about you know mental health and about. Learning about yourself, learning about learning about emotions. I, I think when you look around me, how many people who are now adults aren't emotionally adults? And when I look at myself about emotional adulting, I even notice uh, one thing I notice particularly about myself is that um, my biggest excuse when I do something wrong is that I say this wasn't my intent to do. It. That's 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 not emotional uh, adulting. It's like blaming your I don't intend it so. It wasn't my fault that's, that's one thing i do and i still do that because it's deeply rooted in like intentions or everything and one thing in my work is also everybody has good intentions and i'm like yeah, of course everybody has good intentions. because if we don't have good intentions we have a way bigger problem but so even with a good intention you can make mistakes and and the same applies with with um, uh, mental health i think that um, we need to learn to be emotionally adult uh, adults and i think that's Preventing a lot of, of people yeah. from going to therapy who are now having to go to therapy simply to learn basic skills, to, to learn about concepts we already should have been taught in school, and we are now learning, um, you know, because we are confronted with the problems where we need the solutions. So, uh, um, I, personally, for me to state, I don't think everybody should go to therapy. I think we all should be educated, and therapy should be <laughs> only for the people who really, really need it. Uh, instead of being a trend of everybody have to see a therapist. So, and you know it's broken somehow. Yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> the same thing. Anansha mentioned that. Uh, so there was a huge debate in her college that. Uh, so she is an engineer, and there were some job reservations for engineers for women engineers, and there was a debate like you know why are you giving reservation here in jobs? You should be giving reservations to. Uh, females, when they are 13, when they're studying, so that more girls could study, there were more scholarships available, and obviously there will be more people in their jobs. So like, again, as you're mentioning, not get therapy at 25, but rather, you know, like start having those therapeutic sessions or education about emotions, when you're 12.
1: Yeah. Uh, And a great example, uh, if you're looking for the example of education here in, in Holland, um, I have had, didn't have a dime to my name when I started the education, but the entire my entire education is paid by the government. And, and nowadays, it's a little bit more difficult. They can loan for education really cheap. So of course, mm-hmm. everybody can loan really cheap at the moment, but that's that's something that has been longer here in Holland because everybody can have like uh, applied science or university degree if they, if they want to. And, um, and I, I believe the same applies for that everybody should be if we really truly want to create balance everybody should learn and, and i think lovely to see that like meditation is part of of element for school right now in a lot of countries uh-huh. i think okay. that's that's like the first step into understanding yourself understanding your body understanding your emotions um uh, learning the things we we as a generation are are learning in our our 20s 30s and our previous generation sometimes never have learned and perhaps never will learn and will be like I, I see that my, my parents, some content will never land anymore because they are past uh, it. And that's okay, you know, because sometimes it's it's okay that uh, your worldview is your worldview, uh, but we could do so much better already at an earlier stage. Uh,
0: then again, every generation had their job they needed to do. Uh, yeah. Like 500 years ago, it was just survival. <laughs> and <laughs> now with time... So, you know, like the previous generation had that job to do was to educate themselves. Yeah. Right. Or get basic education, start learning how to learn and all that stuff. And with internet, I guess the whole, the whole concept of what you need to do is kind of amplifying. Yeah. We are progressing a lot as generations. So uh, we are already almost at two hours didn't realize it such a good conversation so uh (laughs) (laughs) uh, if if we have to summarize a little bit like somebody because you know i'll tell you my direct intentions what i'm going to do is i'm going to use this interview obviously it will be available on youtube and podcast and i'm going to send certain clips or ask people to watch certain parts of this interview uh, like my future clients or my friends who I think will need ownership in their life. How will you summarize what should you, what should they do? Where can they take uh, start taking ownership? What are the steps and all that?
1: I think the first step in taking ownership, and, and one thing I'm 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 currently launching uh, in the, in the co- next couple of months is the uh, what I call the Aim for Ownership Academy, and the aim okay. is uh, is an acronym for awareness, impact, and momentum. Because the first step is and the first what I want to launch and it's something I want to make accessible for almost everybody is is the the elemental the essentials. So the elementary information about ownership: how does it work and what's the what's the basic concept about it? And and I think that if people learn the model and learn how to recognize victimization and learn to recognize how to take ownership and what the impact is, I think that's that's like. The starting point and from that point forward of course you can coach people but a lot of these things are like taking a lot of time and it's not like you can coach anybody through it so that's why i also said for you like the experiment i did with you was like six weeks because in six weeks you can tell somebody the basics and that's basically the part where i'm like okay i can let you go and of course you can dive deep into some certain topics and you can learn a lot about it but if you don't have the basic skills, it's it's basically like, if you don't know how to fish, you will never feed yourself. Ownership is like if you don't have the the essentials. And, and what I really, what my my personal mission is, is to let everybody on the planet have, have access to those essentials. And, uh, and also if they want to take a little bit of a deeper dive into how to apply it for themselves and um, uh, as a starting point. And from that point forward, I think, uh, one step is taking ownership in your emotions in how you feel. And that's not something I have to teach. It's something other people have to teach taking ownership in your sleep. There are great sleep coaches taking ownership yeah. in your career. I think there are great career coaches. I'm not a great career coach. Uh, of course, even yeah. if I, I have been successful in my career on a, on a quite a young age, I don't believe that I am really loving that subject. So I, I will not be able to help other people. Um, uh, so, but for me, ownership is like the, the stepping stone is your essential would because when you learn a habit uh, like let's say the easiest one like running a 5k learning the habit yeah uh, you can learn it but when you learn it after you've learned how to take ownership of your goals and and learning i think you will do a lot more you do know differently you do faster um, plus you're learning on the side because where did you didn't you take ownership in, in your in your story of your habits so for me it's like an habit amplifier which you do first or use to enhance your current habits you're working on and from that point forward apply it to every part in your life uh, where where right. you you can do it because it's it's an amazing broad topic so but the first step is that a lot of people don't know truly about the concepts and, and learn it the hard way but also don't know the pitfalls so that's um, uh, that's basically what I love people to hear. one day. if they want to know more, uh, yeah, they can always hit me up. Of course, I love to talk about it and share share more. And I hope they had some insights uh, basically on these videos so and the questions, which are great questions. So thank you, and um, and learn some about what ownership means and essentially that taking ownership doesn't mean self blame. I think that's a great conclusion from from your own experience that yeah. um, there's no one else to blame, including yourself. <laughs> And uh, here's something for anybody
0: who is watching or listening this, Uh, throw me an email or if you can write it in the comments. If you have any questions, let me know, I'll have Paul answers (laughs) for you. He's (laughs) he's really interested in answering any questions around this topic. Uh, It was such a pleasure to have this conversation with you. I do not want to end this conversation, but unfortunately, time is really limited.
1: Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I totally uh, it's, uh, same for me. Uh, it was a lovely talk. Uh, great questions. Great, really broad topics uh, on the fly. I love the lovely, the, the just going forward about everything. And um, yeah, perhaps we can dive into some other topics in the in the future. But um, sure. I think I think it's already uh, taking a lot of ownership to watch this video till the end right now. <laughs> sure.
0: <laughs> so uh, I hope to see you in the next video.
1: Bye bye. Okay. Talk soon. Have a great day, man.